Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right. Welcome back once again, boys and girls, to episode 38. I always get that number wrong. I'm pretty sure it's 38. Don't quote me on that. Whatever it says in the description of the podcast is the right number. I think it's 38. Anyway, it's going to be a great episode. Best episode yet, probably. If you haven't already, please, 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 please drop us a subscribe. Throw us a five-star rating, whatever platform you use, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, uh, throw us a like, throw us a rating. We appreciate it. So today on our show, we have Tyler Humphrey. He's a fitness manager for Orange Theory Fitness, where he manages several locations in in Arlington and D.C. Tyler, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, another fellow first-time podcaster. Uh, I am uh, excited for uh, you to get in here and get your uh, toes wet. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm a big podcast listener, so this is like very much like a, a, a crowning moment for me to <laughs> be, be on a podcast with you, so I'm excited. You've made it. You've officially yeah, made I, it. What, what are your go-to podcasts? Um, honestly, whenever I'm uh, listening to podcasts or really doing anything outside of work, it tends to be polar opposite of what I do for work um, to kind of, you know, check out and do something different. So I, uh, I listen to a lot of, um, you know, pop culture. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, on uh, Crooked Media. It's called Keep It. It's uh, pop culture and politics. I really enjoy right. it. Um, and then, of course, Positive America, you know, The Daily from New York Times, stuff like that. So. Right, right, right. Okay, and nice. Of course, and uh, of course, move the district's number one. Podcast. Move the district number one best podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay, awesome. So yeah, I think podcasts are such like an interesting way to like consume news right now. And I think you know, like over the last like five years, it's just been such a crazy increase. And in, like, you know, how can we like? Uh, for me, the biggest thing was like, how can I continue to like, connect with people that you know especially in the last year with COVID, you can't exactly do these days. So it's just like a great way to like meet people, get to know people better uh, and, you know, just spread more knowledge around that. I don't think people would be able to get in other ways. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it's, I'm somebody who likes to talk a lot and I like to talk to people. So when I listen to podcasts, it feels like I'm in a conversation and uh, you know, it's like the conversation could be about news. It could be about, you know, pop culture. My brother hit me up the other day and he said, I listened to an incredible podcast about crows. And I was like, okay, crows. They, they have it on anything. So, you know, I learned crows. about what, what is this podcast on crows? I have no idea. Um, he was just telling me that, you know, it's about crows and you should check it out. And I said, okay, it's going on my list. It's definitely not at the top, but it's, it's I'll get to it eventually. So I, I don't know if you watched the, the, Britney Spears documentary that just came out. 
God, no, I'm, it's like, it's again on the list. Uh, I'm, I'm a big documentary person. So I, I feel like podcast and documentaries go hand in hand Absolutely. for sure. Uh, but the, the, the Britney Spears documentary, they were interviewing these, these two girls on the show who had a podcast about Britney Spears' Instagram account. Like, like it was just an entire podcast where for an hour or however long it was, they would talk about whatever was on her Instagram that week. Hysterical. Well, the other one that cracks me up are people who have podcasts where they, all they do is just like talk about what happened on an episode of TV. So like, you know, when like Game of Thrones was like airing and you had like these Game of Thrones, you had like six year old podcasts where all they did was talk about each episode of Game of Thrones. And I'm like, it just, people listen to, people listen to talk about hardly anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends that like love to like delve into like all the like theories behind the TV shows and yeah. I've never been a big like conspiracy theory, like on TV show. Well, I'm a big conspiracy theory guy, but not a big like theories on like TV shows guy. And right. uh, we'll get into the conspiracy theories another day. But um, <laughs> the the theories. The Rogan title, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, not that I like believe conspiracy theories. It's just that I like am fascinated by like how outlandish they can be. Oh, yeah. You know, like there, I mean, there are certain ones out there that are just so outlandish. Anyway, let's, let's, let's get back to the, uh, we're, we're going way off course here. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about you here a little bit now. And, and how did you get to this position where, you know, where did you get your start in the, the fitness world? Yeah. So, um, a lot of people, um, you know, who are career fitness people will, you know, if you're not in the fitness industry, you can look at people and say, Oh, like, you know, these people, they have these, you know, incredible bodies are so, you know, talented or they are, you know, fit, or they, you know, have these positions or they're coaches or whatever, you know, you've probably been doing that your whole life. And although there are a lot of people who, you know, go that route where they, you know, were high school athletes or collegiate athletes, whatever. Um, that was not my story. <laughs> um, I was somebody who, um, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Um, I was a, um, I was a debate kid in high school. I was a competitive speech and debate kid in high school and college. Um, I, you know, uh, coached debate after college. And then, um, I moved up here to, um, Alexandria, uh, just outside of DC. And, um, I needed a kind of a, a side job to, you know, just make some extra money. And there was an orange theory fitness location opening up, um, down the street from where I lived. And, um, my, my parents at the, they, at the time they had uh, just left from Florida where they were doing orange theory. And my mom was like, you know what, you should like check it out and like work at the desk and they can get a free membership. And like, you might really like it. Um, and again, I had just the only working out I'd done was just going to like planet fitness or like LA fitness on my own and just kind of do my own thing. Um, so, you know, I went and, uh, took a first class and worked at the front desk and, um, really ended up getting super passionate about, you know, functional fitness and um, interval training and things like that. And um, I was uh, really lucky to just have a fantastic mentor. Um, and he was uh, the guy who was the head trainer at that studio at the time. Uh, his name was Brandon. And he, um, you know, said, hey, like, if you're interested in, in, you know, pursuing this and becoming a coach and kind of getting your feet wet in it, um, you should check it out. And uh, it was really important to me that like really special to me that he did that because I was, you know, not somebody who was, um, you know, looked like a fitness professional <laughs> in any sense of the word. Um, I was not somebody who was super, you know, fit. I didn't have like the Instagram or anything like that. I was just you know, this like, you know, skinny kid in his early 20s and who just really liked working out with people and hyping people up. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, five, almost six years ago, I guess, and uh, just stuck with it and, you know kept coaching and kept mentoring people. And here I am. So they hired you with zero experience. 
Yeah. They hired me to work the front desk. Okay. Um, that was it. And then, and then, uh, so I was just selling memberships and, and talking to people and signing people into class. You know, um, I'd worked retail before, so they were like, well, as long as you can talk to people and if you can like, you know, know how to work a computer, like and answer the phone, you can work the front desk. And, um, then throughout that process, you know, it was definitely a year or two, a solid couple of years before I became a coach and a trainer. Um, because, you know, I had to go through and I, you know, got my, um, ACE certification, you know, group fitness and personal training, um, you know, got the nutrition certification as well, just to kind of round everything out, you know, did the whole, the whole nine yards and just spent a lot of time, you know, fitness was started to be like the side thing at first. And it became my, my main thing where I just jumped in head first and fully immersed myself and learned all that I could learn. And from other people and took lots of different workout classes and, you know, just networked with a lot of different fitness people just to like, to learn and kind of, uh, get immersed in it. And so then after a couple of years of that, you know, I was coaching and then shortly thereafter I was, um, head coaching, managing a small team. And, um, now I'm uh, managing a, a, a bigger small team <laughs> run the show. Yeah. So at what point did you, you know, were you like orange theory is, is it, this is the ticket for me. Like I love it. Not, not just like for work, but also just for your, your, your fitness. That's yeah. Right. Um, I really was, uh, attracted to orange theory, uh, because of how accessible it was, um, to people who were not in the fitness community. I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, even not even like big fitness, but just like small fitness, you know, brands or whatever. And, and, you know, CrossFit can kind of fall into this as well, where it's like, if you're not a fitness person, it can be really intimidating. Um, because you, you, you know, you feel like you're going in against the current and you don't know what you're doing and you're and, and you know, there are certain ads that talk about like gym intimidation and things like that. And it's all, it's all very real. And so I think sometimes we forget what it's like to walk into a gym for the first time. Or we forget what it's like to walk into, um, you know, group fitness program for the first time. Um, and so for me, when I got started at Orange Theory, it was just a lot of people who were really passionate about teaching. Um, you know, even as I was before I wanted to be a coach, even as I was just like kind of learning how to work out a little bit more specifically and like learn proper form and things like that. It was people who were just really passionate about like helping you learn and like figure it out. Um, and the fitness industry has, I feel like has evolved a lot, especially in the DC area. The fitness industry has evolved a lot the last like, you know, five years or so For sure, that is the passion. Now it's all about like helping people not just succeed with like certain goals, but helping people really learn. Um, and that was what attracted me to orange theory. And I, I got a good, uh, a good fitness family here in this company and I've, I've stuck around and, uh, you know, who knows where the journey goes, but that, you know, that's, that's what, that's what got me initially. So, well, I think it's interesting. You talk about like the, like the accessibility, that like Orange Theory provides. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why Orange Theory has become such a big, you know, national global brand, similar to, you know, in the same breath as, as CrossFit, like you mentioned, is they've both made the entry point to, to fitness so easy, I think. Yeah. You know, I think CrossFit, you know, for all the other shit that CrossFit has, you know, gone through this, you know, this past year, uh, they, they've done a great job of, you know, putting barbells in people's hands and, and encouraging people to get strong for the first time, you know, yeah. both, you know, men, but without a doubt, women as well. And, and, you know, I think Arn's theory, you know, gets mentioned that same breath of encouraging people, you know, to get into a gym and, and, you know, the low barrier barrier to entry. And, and I think that's why they've grown so successful is like, cause it's like, cause it does, it, it does seem so scary to like get into a gym, you know, and, and like you look around and see all the people who are like, you know, maybe some of them are Jack, maybe some of them aren't, maybe they're lifting a, you know, 300 pounds. Maybe they aren't, I don't know. But like, you look at these people and you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. And I think people, you know, tend to just stay away from it and they'll, you know, go for a run instead. And, and, uh, and as a result, you know, they don't get that same benefit. And I think, you know, stepping into an arts theory class, 
that's where they do get that benefit. Yeah, for sure. It's, and it's, you know, it's super hands-on and like, you know, to the point, like say, like to your point about CrossFit, you know, it's the same thing where it's like, they, they not only built a, uh, something that's, that has a, a low barrier of entry, like you said, but they also built something that's a community, right? So they built something where like, people are going to like, remember you after the first time that you come, people are going to be like excited to see you. There's going to be that kind of like, um, accountability where you have somebody who maybe was like an Olympic power lifter, or you have somebody who was like a, you know, a collegiate athlete who was working alongside of like, you know, somebody who is like a homemaker or somebody who is like, you know, has like a day job and just needs to get out after work. And they're, you know, working alongside each other and encouraging each other. Um, and because again, it's like, you know, they've made it to where there's no more gatekeepers to like, what it's being like to, you know, to become, or at least feel like you're becoming a, an athlete, <laughs> you know? And, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that, um, that concept of like, yeah, just being like it, being available, being able to get in there. And I think nowadays the, you know, the workout program doesn't matter so much as the community. Like, I think you can go to just about like most gyms and get a pretty good workout, but when you show up and it's that community is like, you say you walk in and someone at the front desk goes, Hey, Tyler, how's it going? Or, or, you know, the coach, you know, gives you a, you know, a shout out or says, Hey, how was your weekend? Or, you know, whatever it might be. Those are the kind of things that people, you know, that stick with people. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the old cliche, you know, people don't care until they see how much you care or whatever it is, you know, it's true. You know, I think that's, you know, ultimately how you get uh, buy-in is, is through, uh, things like that, where, where you're, you're looking at, you know, how can I get people to, you know, buy into my program and it's, you know, getting them to like you. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And it, and it's that other kind of like old cliche, like too, that's like, people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Right. And so whenever you can come into something and you can, and a coach or, you know, even a, like, uh, somebody next to you can make you feel successful, can make you feel seen, can make you feel like you're improving, that you're getting stronger. Um, those feelings stick with you. Right. And so when you see these, um, you know, group fitness is obviously having a really big moment. Um, and I think it's really cool because it's evolved a lot from where it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago when it was like aerobics and spin classes. Exercise, yeah. Pretty much it. <laughs> now it's like, you know, you have lots of even companies in DC that are local that like, you know, are focusing on like strength, like just, you know, strength training and conditioning and like, you know, and so, but whenever you can go to those kinds of environments and feel like you're getting stronger and, you know, come back and, you know, they remember the, they remember what your squat PR was from the week, from the week before they remember what, you know, your rowing PR was from the week before and they can help you level up in that sense. Um, it makes a difference and it keeps people coming back. And I think it's such an, you know, being in the gym, whether it's group fitness or whether it's a global gym or whatever it might be, being in the gym is such like an emotional, personal thing, you know, for a lot of people, whether it's, you know, stress relief, whether they're, you know, it's going, you know, they're going, they're trying to lose weight, you know, maybe they're, they're trying to get stronger so they can make the baseball team, whatever it might be, you know, there, it's a personal struggle. And so I think, you know, having someone on, you know, that they know is on their side, I think really makes a big difference for them, you know, as you go through, you know, the process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's been, it's been fun to kind of be part of that evolution and, and be, and see how group fitness has changed. Um, you know, even in just the last like five years that I've been in it, um, you know, I feel like so much has changed about what we focus on and what we encourage people for what their goals are and, you know, shifting away from this kind of like fitness as a road to the perfect body type. And now, you know, focusing on like fitness as a way to, you know, feel good and live longer and be able to, to do more. 
right? Um, I think it's amazing. I think, yeah, I think, I think the, you're seeing the viewpoint of like why people work out now is changing. Yeah. You know, part of it is, I think like I, for personally, I feel like it's, as I get older, my viewpoint changes where it was like when I was younger, I was focused on trying to be the best baseball player. So I wanted to like be in shape for baseball. Then after college, I was done playing baseball. Like, well, I don't want to get fat and I don't want to, you know, I want to have a, I want to look good, you know, all that stuff. I want to look good naked, all that kind of stuff. Then you get to a point you're like, well, I just want to be strong. And I just want to be able to like do things for the rest of my life. I want to be able to, you know, get off the toilet when I'm 85 years old right, and not need a bar or, you know, I want to be able to go for a walk and, and not have to worry about my knee or my back or whatever. So it, it like changes. But also I think as a society though, I think we're evolving beyond those aesthetic uh, dreams, I guess to more of a, like, you know, health is the new wealth that we're, we're looking, I think we value experiences more as like a society and we want to travel. We want to spend time with our family and friends. We want to do all these things where I think, you know, past generations, eighties, nineties, there's a focus on material who had the nicest car. I don't care what it takes. I'll work 60 hours a week, but as long as I get the Porsche in the, you know, eight bedroom house, I'm doing all right. And I think now we're like, fuck the big house and the big car. I want to go to Coachella. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And, uh, and I love that you brought that up. Cause that's, that's, you know, that was like my total perspective. And it's always been my perspective with like what I work for and like, and how I, and how I work and, you know, schedule my time and, and live my life. It's always about like, <clears throat> excuse me, just getting, you know, getting the experiences. And, um, you know, when I first started working out, it was, you know, all about aesthetics and like wanting, you know, certain things. And now it's so for me, when I work out, um, it's so performance driven, just as far as like what my overall, like, physical output can be. Um, I'm like, I don't, I guess I don't really care what I look like along the way. Like, but you know, if I can feel fast and feel powerful and feel strong, um, you know, if I can like at one year I got to go out to Italy and, and go on this like crazy long hike and, you know, in the middle of the summer and in the you know, sun's beating down and you're outside. And it's like, that's the kind of shit that's like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Like that you can like have the bandwidth and like have the physical ability to do that. And that's the kind of stuff that you, that you want to do and get to carry for, you know, the rest of your life. Right. Um, you know, abs are abs and some people get them, some people don't. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, it might, might help get you laid, but outside of that, you know, it's like, can you like, are you going to enjoy to enjoy the global travel that you get to do? Are you going to enjoy running on the beach? Like, you know, it's, it's, I love it. And I think, you know, if you, if you take, you know, if you take care of your body and you do the things you're supposed to do, invest in yourself long-term, the aesthetics, that kind of stuff, the appearance is going to take care of itself for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it, it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be something that is always the focus and, and sure, like it's, it's nice to look nice. Sure. But like, I think we're focusing now on bigger things. You know, I'd rather be the 90 year old guy who's deadlifting 300 pounds then, you know, someone get pushed around in a wheelchair. Yeah. Well, and my thing too, is I'm always a big believer in like work for what you want to work for and like, let yourself off the hook for the, the, the stuff that you're not like, right. So it's like, if, if you are an aesthetic person, like I have friends who are, you know, bodybuilders, they're competitors. And like, that's like, that's what they love. And that, and they, that's their passion. It's like, if that's what you want to do, like, that's awesome. Like, but you know, if you are stressing out over the way that you look, or stressing out over, you know, muscle definition or whatever the case may be. It's like, okay, then like, let's put together a plan to like address that. But like, if that's the thing that you want, like know that that's where you're working for and make sure that you're working for it for yourself and that you're not doing it for like all this other, like, you know, whatever, you know what the I mean? The right reasons, whether it's a, you know, a guy or a girl, like you, yeah. you want to make sure that you're doing it for yourself and not because you're trying to impress somebody or, or be someone that you're not. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, like you referenced like the kind of 80s, 90s of like material stuff. I also feel like, you know, we've shifted more from, you know, billboard and magazine cover culture. And we're now, you know, an Instagram culture, right? So like Instagram is kind of like the new version of all of that, where that's kind of what you're seeing and comparing yourself to. And I think because on social media, people get to, you know, social media gets a lot of flack. Um, I love it just because I, I think we're, I think it's, you know, if you get to have a platform to tell stories and things like that, I think it's amazing. And, you know, and again, it's just about like what you're, what you're putting out there. And, you know, I think there's a certain level of like being responsible with like the messaging that you're putting out there. And, you know, it can definitely be, um, I, I your episode with CG a couple weeks ago. Um, I love, you know, when he talks about like the highlight reel and stuff, like, you know, it can so easily fall into that, but it's like, it's also at the same time, you know, you can find so many people from different backgrounds with different goals and different, you know, everything, instead of just getting like the billboard, you can see people who are working to get stronger and working to, you know, um, you know, manage pre-existing pre conditions or, you know, to your point, stay out of a wheelchair, you know, stuff like that. And, and I think that that's helped the culture a lot in getting people on board with fitness as a, as a feeling instead of a, an aesthetic. Yeah. I think, I know we see a lot of the influencer type people out there on social media who have gone through some sort of change, some sort of journey. And that stuff is pretty powerful. You know, that, that stuff is, is, you know, carries some weight that you're able to, you know, see someone and as they document their process. Cause a lot of times, you know, you, you see a before and after photo and you're like, wow, she dropped hundred pounds. He dropped 200 pounds. How, you know, and they, they did it, you know, it, it'll say, you know, one year difference, but in your mind, you just see the two before and after photos and you're like, well, that should be me, you know, by a snap of the fingers. But you know, following some people who, you know, document their weight loss or, or document their, their strength, building, whatever it might be, their fitness journey. That's where you get to see, you know, real change. And I think that's the real powerful kind of thing out there. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like, you know, beforehand, you know, you saw Channing Tatum on the cover of Peel magazine shirtless with abs and like, you know, a huge chest and like big arms. And it was just like, well, that's just how some people look. And that's just like what people look like. And, you know, I'm either going to be depressed that I'm never going to look like that and, you know, sit my ass on the couch over it, or I'm going to, on the other side of the unhealthy spectrum, beat myself up in the gym in an overtraining kind of way, you know, to, and like get on this crazy roller coaster emotions. And now I feel like it's so much where you can like, like you, to your point, watch people's journeys where it's like, you know, and even on a celebrity, celebrity side of things, I, you know, Camille Nanjiani, um, who's an actor, he, you know, I was just going to bring him up. Yeah. I, I love that. That's so we're on the same wave. Like, you know, he got absolutely yoked for this, you know, new superhero movie and like put on a bunch of weight and stuff, but he definitely was like very publicly on Instagram throughout the process. Like this shit is hard and it like, and it sucks and I'm doing it because, you know, it's like, it's what I want and it's what I want for the performance. But like, this is not like, I don't just look like this. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was super cut up. And he's like, this is, this is like 24, this is 24 seven, basically, you yeah. know, between lifting, dieting, sleeping, water, all this thing. Like, this is not an easy look for me to achieve. And he was like, I immediately like after the photo shoot, like put weight on or like put weight on or drink water or whatever. And, it, you know, and his appearance changed. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, you see like that one snapshot at a moment in time and you're like, wow, that's, you know, what someone's like and it isn't always um but i think because i think there there is that dangerous side of social media that yeah it does get caught up in the highlight reel and you tend to see people's you know great moments they don't like to share their low moments but for the people that do share their low moments yeah it's an important thing and i think that's you know one thing that i'm trying to do with the, with the big league instagram account is share more people's stories 
and, and show what an actual session is. Cause they'll see someone do one cool exercise. They're like, wow, that's really hard. But like, they'll, they'll see like what an actual session looks like where we do lower level, easier activities, harder exercises, where we build up to a certain goal. And that way it, it seems like a little more realistic, a little more achievable to people. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, being able to see the journey, I think on social, give social media like that nice plus, but at the same time though, some people just like to just skip right to the finish line. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like for myself, you know, I grew up, um, very, very self-conscious about, you know, about my body type. I grew up very, you know, like, you know, uncomfortable with the way that I looked. Um, you know, I was all, I was like a skinny kid with a fast metabolism. And so, you know, growing up, it was always like, you need to go pick up some weights and you go eat a cheeseburger, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, and, and, you know, we like had to have a pretty, pretty big culture of, you know, body shaming in this country and in this world, I guess. And so for me, it was a lot of growing up to be like, okay, you know, if I want to put on 30 pounds and, you know, get this physique, like, okay, like you can do it do you want to do it? So people stop talking shit or do you want to do it? Like, because you actually want to do it. And then once you decide if you want to do it, okay, are you willing to like put your head down and do it as a full-time job? And it's like, I've gone through phases where I put on 25, you know, 30 pounds and you know, for the time that I did it, it's okay. But like right now where I'm at my life, I'm like, I don't want that. Like I, I don't need, I don't need a full-time job, like obsessing over my physique. And that's, that's like no shit to anybody who is, you know, who does that, um, you know, cause if that's what you want to do, do it. But I think it's sometimes we get caught in the middle of like beating ourselves up over it without necessarily making the, the like the, you know, kind of like headfirst diving commitment to, you know, making it the full-time job that it is. And so it's, it's a great feeling to know that, like, just to know why you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why is, is, is great. And it's like, people often overlook that in so many pieces of their life where it's like, hey, like, are you unhappy? Then like evaluate like why you're doing what you're doing. And, and when you can get to the bottom of that, a lot of times you can release the bullshit and focus on the, the stuff that makes you feel good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I think that's something I've, I've struggled with too. I think there is this mindset when I was younger when I was still playing baseball, like I needed to be a certain way. I needed to be a certain way. I need to get, I need to get there. And, and even after I finished playing baseball, like there was this thought, like I still need to be 200 pounds, 210 pounds. That's where I need to be. Cause that's, that's, you know, what like someone who's like yoked is, is. And then I was like, I don't, you know, at a certain point, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I remember the, the turning point. I don't really know when it was, but it was sometime after I graduated PT school and I was working as a PT and I was like, I don't need to be 200 pounds. I'm, I'm happy with, you know, being 185 pounds. I get happy with, you know, maintaining where I am right now and not going the other way because I've gone that way where I've, I've put on a whole bunch of pounds. I, I'll never forget my, my junior year of college, I had shoulder surgery and for the entire fall semester, I didn't work out. I pretty much just did shoulder rehab, like low level shoulder rehab. Cause at the right. time I didn't know any better. I thought that was just, you know, you do your bands, your little two pound weights and that was it. And I drank beer. That was it. I just drank beer and I rehabbed my shoulder and you know, went to class with it. But uh, that was it. And at the end of the semester, I remember one day waking up and walking into my uh, housemate's room, who was a teammate of mine. And I was like, Jeff, am I fat? And he was like, yes, yes, you are. And I had put 31 pounds on in like three months, 31 pounds. And I, I just, you know, looking back, I just was not in good health at all. Just like, but I was like, Oh, I'm 186 pounds. And I was like, looked at myself in the mirror and was like, this is not the 186 pounds that you want to be in my Right. And, exactly. And it's, and, and, and it's, 
Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, no. And, and that was it. I was it. I just, I just like looked at myself and I like realized like, you know, where like I had gotten it like reminded me of like always sunny when uh, Mac puts on like 50 pounds, like the one yeah. season, like that was like how I had felt. Yeah. And, and to your point, what you said earlier about like how if you focus on the right stuff, the aesthetics will work themselves out. You know, it's like if all you're doing is like drinking beers and doing bicep curls, like you're going to look a certain way versus if you are, you know, on like a comprehensive, you know, like balanced training program that's focusing on strength. And, you know, and again, it's like, it's like getting off the scale too, right? Because it's like 210 pounds can look a bajillion different ways for so a bunch different. of different people. Just, people just like 120 pounds can look a million different ways for a million different people. Um, and so when I've, when I've coached, you know, on the, the health and wellness side as well, with like food and things like that, when I've done that, I've had to just really help people work away from like the scale. And I'm like, look, if you want to look differently, we can talk about that and we can focus on that. I'm like, but I'm really not super interested in scale numbers. I'm really interested in like you feeling energized and feeling good. And, uh, and, you know, like if you want abs, like we could talk about the calorie deficit and like the nutritional value to, and, and the, and the, you know, the core strength to get abs, but you know, beyond like beyond that, like, like let's not focus on like on that number. Right. Yeah. I think that that's always something that I see here. People will come in, especially like the, the people who we see more on like a monthly basis and, and they'll be like, Mike, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not losing any weight. Are you gaining weight? No. Okay. Well, well, how do you feel though? I feel, I feel great. I feel great. I'm just not losing any weight, you know, or, or, you know, the one, one of the things I, you know, you talk about like having the energy, like how's your energy levels? Are you sleeping well? Like looking at all those other things that go into it, like maybe you're sleeping better now. Maybe you're, you're, you have more energy during the day. How do your clothes fit? That's always my favorite one is like, yeah. do your, yeah. do your pants fit? Do your shirts fit now? You know, do do you, do you wear your shirt or is your shirt where are you, you know, uh, you know, things like that. I think, show people like, Hey, like this is actually okay. And even if you, you don't lose weight, maybe you, you stay at where you are. Like that's okay too, you know, yeah. uh, versus being, you know, constantly fixated on, on losing pounds or, you know, it's always, the worst is always like the people who like weigh themselves like every day. Oh God. Or, or they weigh themselves in like infrequent frequencies oh, right. where it's, yeah, you know, yeah. Monday and Monday morning, then Thursday afternoon, then Saturday afternoon. And, and, uh, and then they end up not, you know, they're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm more here, but then I was higher here. I'm like, just get off the damn scale. Right. Yeah. Just, just throw it out. Get rid of it. Just get off the damn scale. Like, don't even worry. If you really want to go get quantitative measurements, go, you know, go look at body fat percentage, things like that. Yeah. But like, get off the damn scale. Yeah. And, and I love, and I love that because it's, I think, I think most people, who will say that are people who have gone through their own phases of being obsessed with the scale, you know, myself as well. Like I've, I've, you know, gone, you know, been obsessed with the scale in the opposite direction, you know, like I need to, you know, fucking just inhale as many calories every day as I possibly can, you know? And, and I'm like, I was, you know, eating, you know, damn near 5,000 calories a day, which I just didn't want. Like, I just, I felt like shit. I didn't want to eat it. And I was like, at a certain point I was like, okay, like I hit a number that I wanted to hit on the scale, but like, this, I can't live life like this. And um, I also feel disgusting and I don't like to run anymore. So like, you know, what, what gives? It's like, you get there and then it's like, then what? Like I made it, I made it to 160 pounds. And now I, what? And I think in a certain respect, sometimes people just want to be able to prove themselves that they can do something. And sometimes it's a matter of like proving yourself that you have control. Um, and so I think it's just important. And I think it's really great that the fitness community is shifting to like show that you can prove to prove your, prove that you can do stuff to yourself and you can kind of 
exercise that control with different capacities, you know, with like focusing on strength, focusing on, you know, like I said before, performance output. Um, it's like, if you're going to be obsessed with something, like be obsessed with that, <laughs> you know, be obsessed with how much you can deadlift, be obsessed with like, you know, how fast your mile is or whatever. Um, that's, you know, that's, that'll take you a lot further than, you know, a number. And it's so, it's definitely a less of a focus on an, the all or none ideology. Yeah. The whole idea that like, you need to cut all your carbs out of your diet. You need to, you know, it's, you know, that, that whole idea of like, you know, like you have to swing the pendulum all the way to this side versus let's just encourage healthy behaviors. Yeah. Like the, the idea that you have to, you know, you can't drink alcohol, you can't drink soda, you can't, you know, eat carbs. You have to do all these very strict things. You have to work out for an hour every day. Like, you know, you, someone who's going from one side of the spectrum to the other, that's just not realistic for people. And even if they did do it, what are the odds that they're able to continue to do it down the road? You know, certain diets kind of like uh, like whole 30, like it's, it's just hard to like follow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've done, I've had like a pretty big evolution with like my outlook on nutrition as well, where like, you know, before I used to think that in order for me to be healthy enough and to like, you know, be the, I guess, quote unquote, the cleanest or whatever was like, you know, to like cut out, you know, cut out gluten, cut out like sugar, like refined sugar and, you know, dairy and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, then I would do that for 30, 45 days or so, and I would, you know, get certain results. And then, you know, I would, after that, I'd be like, shit, man, I just really want to inhale a pint of ice cream. And, you know, then you, this pendulum swings the other way and you go the other direction um, or people who on the, on a more, I guess, um, micro scale will like Monday through Friday, like, you know, star themselves and then binge eat over the weekend and just do whatever they want on the weekend. And it's like, why am I not getting results? It's like, well, because your body doesn't know what the fuck is going on because it's like back and forth so much. And it's like, if you know, finding out what, you know, like there's some people who like, you know, well, they, they eat dairy, like it gives them heartburn or it doesn't, it doesn't make them feel good. It's like, if that shit doesn't make you feel good, you know, cut it out. You know what I mean? Like, like listen to your body about it, but you know, assigning value to things just for just based off of like, you know, what, what it was at a certain point, um, really, you know, it just, it just makes it a, a toxic relationship with food. And it's like, what's the energy like around your food? Like, is like, are you making something that you're enjoying? Like, is there like joy around like the food that you're making or are you like, you feel like you're punishing yourself? <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. So what would you, what would you say your diet's like these days? Um, my diet these days is very all over the place. Um, as far as like, um, just, all over the place, not in a, um, not in a nutritional value sense, but just in like what I, what I'd like to do. Um, my, I was explaining before we got on the, on the recording, but you know, my schedule is very different all the time. So like there are weeks where I am at home every evening and I get to, you know, cook for my boyfriend and I, and we, you know, love cooking and making dinner. And, you know, we like, I love, I just really love to cook food. And, and are you the, are you the cook in the relationship? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Am. What are you, uh, uh, it's the opposite for, for Megan and me. I am awful. Uh, for, for as bad as a cook I am, she's actually worse at cleaning the dishes. So we've just agreed to just our roles. But what what do you what do you go for? What do you cook? What's your favorite um, thing to cook? I, I'm a big. I'm from Tampa. I love seafood a lot. Um, so like last night, um, uh, my boyfriend's um, not around right now. He's um uh, with some family. But last night, I you know went to the went to Whole Foods and got myself like a really great cut of sea bass and made myself some like ceviche at home. Oh, um, it's funny because I. I'm the better cook in general, but the things that he can cook, he can do really, really well. Um, okay. So he's uh, he's Peruvian. So he's turned me on to like a lot of Peruvian food and like taught me how to make ceviche and stuff. 
Um, and so last night I like made ceviche for myself and then, you know, like I'll, I love doing like a homemade pizza night or like pasta night. Um, and you know, then there are weeks where I'm busier, where I'm out and about and, you know, I'm doing more food on the go, which is part of why I love living where I live. Cause there's so many options for like really great stuff. So like, you know, I, I love hitting up Chipotle and, um, you know, sweet cream and still like stand by Chipotle. Yeah, exactly. Um, although people, I tend not to like digress too much, but people give me so much shit because when I go to Chipotle, I order tacos and everybody thinks what? I'm like, a that's guy. no, that's crazy. That's crazy. I know. Listen, I, I'm not a big bowl guy. Um, I, I find it like very laborious to eat. And by the time I'm halfway through the bowl, I'm tired of chewing already, but Chipotle's tacos. If you have a day where you're wanting to get brave and try something new, their, their crunchy tacos are fire crunchy i didn't even know they had crunchy tacos yes. like yes. hard shell tacos like hard shell corn tortilla tacos absolute fire i am just and if, you're listening to this, if you're listening to this and you back me up on chipotle tacos send me an instagram dm so i can i can know that i have people on my side and in my corner <laughs> i oh my god i've done tacos from what's it over there navy yard uh talk korean I've, I've done i've done their tacos before which are delicious yeah, but yeah. i don't think i've which because that's like the korean version of chipotle i feel like yes, yes, exactly. uh but i i don't think i've ever gotten tacos i don't know if I've, i don't know i've i've seen, been in the store and i've seen people get tacos before and i've just been like that person's a serial killer yeah, no, literally that's, that's what the response is. Like when people, when people say that to me, I did an Instagram poll about it, maybe a, a year and a half or so ago. I think it's time to bring it back and see if anybody's come around since then. What do you, what do you go with? What's your meat? Do you um, chicken? Since they've had the uh, carne asada, I've been getting that all the time. That is fire. So good. There you um, go. The tacos. All right. All right. And then do you eat all the tacos or do you like save one for later? Like, Oh no, I, I inhale it. It's gone in about like seven minutes. <laughs> fair enough fair yeah. enough are you are you guys big uh peruvian chicken fans oh yeah yeah big big peruvian chicken fans um we'll make it at home every once in a while um okay. but then uh chicken and whiskey out in uh, uh near um, 14th street yeah 14th street that place is great um yeah, I, we're, we're, like I said, like we're really big seafood people. So we love ceviche. Like give me, like I could live off a of raw fish. You know what I mean? Like soup, ceviche, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, like that's where my, my food tends to be. I make a lot of, um, you know, I, I do a lot of pasta and fish at home and uh, you know, when I'm out and about, it's a lot of tacos and, you know, the occasional, the occasional burger here and there. I do love a good burger. Um, What's your best burger in DC? Oh God. Um, this is an easy question. I, oh, really? I'm yes. really interested to hear your answer is going to be. Well, I'm you got to go first. I'm going to give you an answer that is, again, it's not going to be as much of a visceral reaction as the Chipotle tacos moment, but it is oh, going God. to be something that is going to be surprising. But um, one of the best top three burgers in DC is at Salt Line, Dowd and Navy Yard. Salt Line, 100%. Yes, that's the burger. Are you serious? You agree with me? Best burger in DC, Salt I'm Line. I'm so glad. It, it truly is incredible. I haven't, I don't know if it, if it's consistent whenever you go to Boston, because I know they have- Oh, I've never been to the one in Boston. I, I forgot they opened there. But, um, I live in Navy Yard, so I live like right, um, right by Yards Park. And so yeah. I end up going right down to that. I go to Salt Line all the time. And that burger, you know, for a seafood restaurant, that burger is absolute fire. It's the hidden gem. Absolutely. It's the hidden gem on the menu. No one knows. It's the best burger in DC, hands down. There are some great because, burgers in DC. I share that because I share that opinion with you. That should like give you the validation you need to go try some Chipotle tacos. There we go. <laughs> All right. I guess I guess I have to go check out the Chipotle tacos. Uh, but yeah, the burger at Salt Line, you know, it travels well. It holds up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's great. I, I you know the burger at Duke's is great. Uh, oh. Lucky Buns is great. But Salt Line. You know, they do a lot of good things there. It's my, it's my favorite restaurant, period, in, in D.C. Oh, really? Okay, that's great. Because the seafood is great there. The raw bar is great. The drinks are great. The atmosphere being outside by the water. 
right next to the baseball stadium. Awesome. Sells it for me every time. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a runner up for me would be the burger at Le Diplomat, which I know oh. is like longstanding, like DC kind of opinion, but I stand by it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. Back to, back to Arndt's theory here. Let's talk a little bit about the process you went through to become a coach. Yeah. So um, the people don't really realize how much you go through to be an Orange Theory coach. There is a lot to it. Um, so uh, typically my process is a little bit different because I was an internal hire. So I was at the, at the front desk and, you know, they kind of trained me up. Um, but, you know, they, there's elements to it. You know, obviously you need to know how to train people from a fitness level. Orange Theory, you know, is, very ha- is a very hands-on program where you're getting a lot of form correction on the strength training piece of it. Um, you need to know how to correct people's, you know, like running biomechanics and like their, you know, their row form and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of that. And that comes with like the certification process, whether you're getting like an ACE or NASM certification, but Orange Theory only accepts NCCA accredited uh, certifications. So it has to be one of those um, five organizations. Um, so that was that piece of it. But then I had somebody who, you know, put me on the mic and just ran me through like a bunch of different scenarios and just drilled me on the mic, you know, day in and day out. So, you know, you throw stuff on the, on the, on the screen and say, all right, like walk me through like a demo of a deadlift, like cue a deadlift, uh, you know, just shit like that. And that was days and days and days. Now, I know you said you had the background with debate club. How much did that public speaking help you in this transition into Arndt theory? Did oh, it help you? Uh, yeah. Oh, a ton people. It's like, I stand by the fact that like uh, public speaking and speech and debate in particular is like the one thing that you could do in high school that will take you pretty much that will take it to anywhere. The the skill can be applied anywhere because, you know, as a, the best fitness instructors are the ones who can use the fewest words over the microphone and get the most res- like elicit the most responses physically. Right. And so I think one of the, my favorite things is whenever I'm in class and I'm, you know, coaching and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I have six out of like, you know, eight or it used to be, you know, 12. So like six out of 12 people, um, you know, pre pandemic who are like, you know, doing a deadlift incorrectly. And I can just say like one thing over the microphone and like, and then you see like five of them, like correct it, like on the next rep. And I think that that is something that I, um, I'm really good at just because I had to learn how to communicate really big ideas with stuff like, you know, you know, foreign policy and economics and whatever. And you have, you know, six minutes to explain a really complicated concept to essentially the person off a street. Cause that was who judged our debate tournaments was a random ass person off the street. And so, you know, you Is that had, right. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, uh, it, they, they call them community judges. And so the whole point with the debate that I did was that it was focused on, um, you know, real world commu- communication. So we weren't debating in front of debate coaches. I mean, our coaches watched, but our, we were the person who was a decision maker was, you know, the average Joe off the street. Um, and so, you know, you had to figure out how to bring these big ideas into like common language and the same for fitness. It's like, I can sit here and give you, um, you know, the most like technical jargon ever in an orange theory class, but you know, I'm the one with the certification and all you guys are coming to me because I have that and you don't have that. So, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot more out of me if I tell you to stick your butt back than if I were to go into the whole, you know, uh, the, you know, the whole biomechanics of it all. So I think that's also why I like orange theory lots. Cause I just, I'm able to talk like a real person. Right. Uh, and just communicate that way. I think, I think that, you know, being able to use, you know, layman's terms and not yeah. break down biomechanically, you know, I think that that plays a lot for a lot of people because, you know, I think I'll, there was some, some quote I saw somewhere was basically like 
simplicity equals mastery. You know, it's like, you know, your ability to the less, the ability to use less words to describe something like implies master. I forget what the exact quote is, but basically the, the less you can say and get your point across the better, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I feel like when I'm working with people, you know, I want to use as little words as possible. So I think, you know, strength coaches in general have like this reputation for being like rah, rah guys who are always hooting and hollering and, and, yeah. you know, yelling, screaming, but then also like being like super nerdy about the like, hip angles and glute activation and, and all these things. And, and as a result, I think you, you create this like mindset where people just start to overthink, you know, their, yeah. their hip pins their deadlift, their squat. And, you know, I'd, ra I'd rather let somebody's uh, you know, neurosystem, figure it out on their own. Cause yeah. that's what happens usually, you know, I'll, you know, if I teach someone, if I'm teaching someone how to do a deadlift, I'll, you know, demonstrate the move. I'll tell them what to do. I'll give them the, the cues, the verbal cues, and then I'll let them figure it out. You know, the first two to three reps, I won't say anything. Yeah. And, and by the third, fourth, fifth reps, they probably have it. If they don't, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in, but I'll give them five reps to, to figure out what, they're trying to do so that it's not just me being like chest up, butt out, arch your back, face down, left shoulder up, you know, it's yeah. cause then they turn into these robots. So you want to just give them the opportunity to figure it on their own. And then I think that's where it gets locked in to that muscle memory. Right. Well, and I, and I love letting people kind of feel it out a couple of different ways. And so like, you know, like if you watch somebody and like their form's a little bit off, like, Hey, like, how does it make your back feel? Like, how does it make your knee feel? Like, and it's like, okay, like how can we adjust, like make that feel better? And like, like you say your point, I love that you brought that up, like letting people kind of feel it out for a couple reps and, and just letting, you know, I think sometimes as fitness professionals, we get really stressed out and we get really like, Oh my God, like my client has to do it right. Or I'm like, failing at my job and it's like no it's like we're here to facilitate an environment where people can learn and feel what this is to feel feel right and so then you know being able to see the the perfect i'd be like oh that was awesome like do you feel the difference there like do you feel like where things click into place and um i, I love seeing those light bulbs go off yeah i think you know facilitating the movement and and not getting locked into being a you know someone who's just so hard on like making sure everyone has the perfect mechanics for every single thing. Right. You know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I always like to use the phrase movement optimist, but yeah, like if someone has a little bit of a curve in their back, like that's okay. If someone, you know, might not necessarily get down all the way to in a squat, that's okay. Uh, you know, especially I think in like a group fitness setting, when, when you're, you know, going balls to the wall for 60 minutes, you want to, you know, make sure that like they're, they have the, you know, key principles down for movement. If they have the key principles down for movement, then like, it's okay. They don't have to be perfect with everything because then, yeah, then it, people lose sight of what they're doing. And, and it also, the whole point of exercise is to be, you know, it should be fun. You know, yeah. if, they're, if they're sweating, you know, how much roundedness their back has, you know, during a deadlift or a kettlebell swing, then they're not going to enjoy themselves and they're probably not going to come back. <laughs> well, and my whole thing too, is I'm like, you know, it's really easy, not easy, easy is the wrong word, but it's very like, it's you're set up for success to have perfect form for a deadlift when you're lifting a barbell. But when you're fucking moving your buddy's couch, you know, up his stairs or whatever, like you're not in the environment where you're going to have the best possible form, but you need to know how to move in a way that you're not going to like throw your back out or whatever. And so I think like, to your point, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, 
you had the, the movement, the foundational movement patterns down, but you know, it's like, it's not always going to be this like perfect environment for you. Like, and, and, and that's when you need the strength, right? That's whenever you want that strength, when it's like time to pick up your kids or like help somebody move or, you know, God forbid you have to save somebody from a burning building, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's one of those things where like a doctor is always like, Oh, you shouldn't squat ever again. And it's like, so, well, what am I going to do when I have to go take a dump? Right, right. You know, like, like, like what am I going to every day, <laughs> every day on my couch, you know, how am I going to get off my couch, you know, or, or, or yeah, like, oh, don't uh, pick any, you know, don't deadlift again. So should I just never pick anything up off the ground again? Like, like, what am I supposed to do? So, you know, I think there, there's a, um, there's an Instagram account out there. They did a, a beard, beard the best you can be. And he's a FRC functional range conditioning guy. And he had like this parody video out. It's probably like two years ago now at this point. Been on these uh, internet streets for a while now. But uh, he had a, a video out a while ago where it was like a, a parody of like the like the do's and don'ts, you know, with the big red X and the green check mark on Instagram. Like, do, don't do this, do this. And it was like him taking the trash out. And it was like him just like opening up the trash can and like dumping the trash in. And then it was like big red X. And then it was like him like, properly hip hinging with a straight back and like pivoting <laughs> and like essentially like doing a robot and same thing with like yeah. unloading the dishwasher don't just like bend over and take it out it was like it was like pivot hinge lift reach you better and uh, angle with your hips otherwise you know and, and i re i reposted it and i think it was like the most liked video i've ever posted in like three and a half years <laughs> that's awesome i love that yeah and it's cool and i and i think that's where um i think that's and i think you know we're talking about this and i think it's really where the industry is moving a lot or at least in like the it might just be like my own like kind of like circle of vision in our little corner corner of the world yeah, it might just be the people that I'm surrounding myself, which, which if that's the case, then I, that makes me feel good that I have the right people around. But um, it, it is nice to see it kind of switch in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we're getting down to the end here. So I got a few more questions for you here. Um, so I, we already said the Salt Line's best burger in D.C. Yes. What's your favorite restaurant in D.C.? Uh, my favorite restaurant in D.C.? Oh man, that is, that is a question that I will probably like deflect to be totally honest with you. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big food and drink person and we go around all the time. Uh, I love salt line. Um, I love, uh, I love going to La Diplomat. Um, sushi Nakazawa, if you're looking for like a really fancy ass sushi dinner, that I've was heard awesome. good, good sushi. Um, oh, actually I lied. So I'll say it's my favorite restaurant. And I feel like a lot of times we phrase that question where it's like, you have to pick something that's like accessible, but I'm going to give you a really just kind of like bougie answer. Um, uh, my favorite restaurant is in, um, it's in Ivy city. It's called Gravitas. Oh yeah. Um, so it's over there by, uh, like where that big planet fitness is like in Ivy city. Yeah. And, uh, it is absolutely insane incredible you're gonna drop a good chunk of money there but it, it'll be worth it it's a nice right. table experience it's amazing i like it i like it uh what's uh what's the last book you read the last book i read was i just finished um a novel which is a little bit different for me but it was uh called a little life um it came out a while ago but it's a, a novel about um some people living in new york and just kind of like struggle and trauma is very very sad. It took a lot out of me, but it was, it was really good. Um, and now I'm working on a book called the, the miracle equation by Hal Elrod. What's that one about? This is about, um, how to set up, how to set yourself up for success between like a good combination of mindset and routine. Um, I'm a person who's not always super masterful with routine. So I was like, you know what, let me, let me, uh, let me try to lock something in. Nice. Are you a big, like, I, I hate to call them like self-help books, but I'm not quite sure exactly like what to like, put them under is that is that something like is that what you 
Yeah, I spend a lot, I, I call it personal development. Personal development, that's, that's definitely a better a little, word. Best, little, definitely little, a better word. A little bit less uh, <laughs> uh, condescending and woo-woo. Um, right. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally see I totally see that. But yeah, I, uh, I, do, I do like that a lot. I love reading in general, so I do like a good novel every once in a while, but I do find that I read stuff to help keep me in a good mindset. Um, the Power of Habit is a really good book that, um, that kind of got me into that. It was kind of my gateway, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love that stuff. I like uh, Essentialism. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. That's a good one. It's, it's the same idea of like finding like what's essential, like in your routine and like weeding out all the like, excess. Oh, that's I'll, I'll, I'll take that one down for sure. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, what are you watching on TV these days? Um, right now we are watching the servant on Apple TV. Um, that's it's like two seasons in, it's kind of like a horror thriller situation. Um, <laughs> kind of weird, but really good. It's by, uh, M night Shyamalan. So, oh uh, yeah. Okay kind of his tv venture um but i just uh started the new season of hell's kitchen um that's kind of like my uh my that show still on yeah they i think they got, i guess they recently brought it back after some time off but they moved it to vegas um and i i love gordon ramsay i love cooking shows so like master chef hell's kitchen um you know the final table on netflix all that kind of stuff all right nice nice uh what's uh how long do you live now in dc for um i moved to alexandria virginia um seven years ago um, and so I lived in Alexandria for a few years, like right in downtown old town. So, um, I know we have a lot of DC listeners, so I would dare never call that DC, but you know, I can see, you can see, you can see the Capitol building from where I live. So, you know, that's not nothing. Um, yeah. and then, uh, I lived in Germany for a year, took a year away from the DMV, lived in Germany for a year. And oh, then okay. I've been in Navy Yard now for like a little over two years. Okay. Were you in, were you with Orange Theory in Germany or that's no, something totally different? No. Okay. Uh, so what's one thing that you think everybody should experience here in DC? Um, hmm, that's a great question. Um, I really just think there's nothing like experiencing the city on foot. Um, I think don't say the mall. Can't say the mall. No, not the mall, not the mall, but experiencing the city on foot. And I think the walk, um, you know, like the Anacostia river walk is really nice. And just being down here by the water, like I said, I grew up, I grew up in Tampa Bay. So like, um, you know, go bucks. Um, but I grew up in Tampa Bay and so I grew up by the water and, uh, that's where, you know, that's where I'm, I'm the happiest. And so I think the, the waterfront in DC is becoming more popular, you know, with the wharf being there and things like that. But, uh, there really is nothing like just being out and about, um, uh, you know, kind of just taking it all in, you know, DC is a city that's kind of in the middle of nowhere as far as like there's so much nature around and you can you know be 30 minutes outside and experience the nature so um you know the malls whatever but seeing the the historic you know buildings and and walking around you know by the water and stuff is is amazing and i know it's kind of like a eight part answer or almost a non-answer but that's no a- I, I i like that because that's that's what brought me down to this neighborhood as well brought me down to southwest and, and navy artists is being close to the water i grew up on long island And, you know, when you're on Long Island, you're never more than 13 miles from the beach. So, so, you know, I grew up on Long Island, uh, Megan, my girlfriend, she grew up, uh, in, in California in Orange County, she grew up near the beach. So we were both like, you know, this is something we want to be near the water. The water makes us happy. So we were like, let's come down here. And we've been, I've been in Southwest for now, geez, three and a half, three and a half years, you know, and we just signed another two year lease. So it's, it's a, it's a great place to be. Yeah. If you're coming to visit me in DC, we'll, we'll hang out in Navy Yard and Southwest. We'll go to Union Market. We'll definitely spend a little bit of time in Old Town because I think it's underrated and uh, maybe hit up 14th Street, but that's kind of my, uh, that's how my tour. So. That's a day, a day in the life of Tyler Humphrey right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Tyler, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? 
Yeah, I, I'm an Instagram guy. Instagram is the best way to give me a shout as as most of us are. Uh, my Instagram username is ty.humphrey. So ty.humphrey, H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y. Um, you know, shoot a message. Let me know where, where you stand on Chipotle tacos and the burger at Salt Line. And uh, we can argue about it. <laughs> Boom. Love it. Uh, and then in terms of teaching classes, you are at Navy Yard, The Wharf, Roslyn, Clarendon, Pentagon City, Columbia Pike. Those are the Orange Theory fitnesses that you are coaching yeah, and, at. And Boston. And Boston, yes. Yep. So uh, right. you can uh, come come get a fire playlist and a good workout. There you go. And then a salt line burger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And we'll definitely be talking soon. Yeah, thanks so much. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.